Hi ladies, good to be with you again. Welcome to session six of CPRT. I'm really so encouraged by everything that I'm seeing from you all with your sessions and how they're going and just kind of your awareness of these skills and your growth as the leader and the facilitator of the CPRT training. So it's exciting for me and I'm very happy to be a part of this journey with you. So let's go ahead and start with session six and Session six is an interesting week because it's so packed with information that they actually encourage you to extend some of it into session seven. Yet session seven does not really have any material that correlates to session six. So this is going to be one of those weeks where you have to use your judgment and your time management pretty well so that you can look at what makes the most sense to share in session six, what makes the most sense to save for session seven knowing that session seven material is not really tied into what we're doing today. So, and that'll make more sense as we get into it, but I just wanted to kind of set that expectation ahead of time. If you notice, it does say the advanced choice giving sheet says session six through seven, and that means that you will not be able to cover all of this this week, and you'll have to overflow some to the next week. And I'll talk you through how I do it as we go. So, two rules of thumb today. The first is, <clears throat> excuse me, grant in fantasy what you can't grant in reality. And one of the common things that parents will say is, okay, but if I let them shoot a dart gun at a doll in the play session, what does that mean for when the child starts to shoot the dart gun at his sister? Or well, if the child throws the baby doll out of the window in the playroom, does that mean they're going to throw a child out a window in real life? And so there is the question that parents will have of how far does this go if there's permissiveness in the playroom. And the great thing about play therapy and this training is that it helps parents to grant in fantasy what usually would never be granted. In other words, if you want to invent this fantasy or this idyllic world through your play, <clears throat> you're able to do that never with the expectation that it would happen in real life. Kids understand the rules are different. So they know that what happens in the playroom does not extend to everyday life. And this rule of thumb helps parents understand why and, and the significance of that. So it's okay to act out feelings and wishes that in reality would require limits. So, you know, a kid can scream, I hate you, I hate every single one of you, I wish that you all were dead in the playroom. And obviously that wouldn't be appropriate to say at school or to siblings or whomever, but kids understand that the playroom rules are different. And actually speaking of that, it was interesting, just last night I had a client and she was just really, really dysregulated. I mean, it was week seven, so it's probably the resistance coming out but she was throwing things at me. She poured water on my head. She, well, I, it was just very, very out of control for her. And I had a, a game in progress with another child and I told the child that I would make sure that the pieces stayed where they were so that we could continue next week. And with every other child in this week, I've been able to say, okay, today I just want to let you know this game is not for messing up because I'm right in the middle of the game with another child and I have to finish when they come back. And the other kids were careful. They didn't, if they touched the pieces, they would put it back. It wasn't a big deal. 
And she purposefully was throwing things in that direction, trying to knock the pieces over, intentionally crashing the bobo into the table to see if it would jar the pieces. And after about 30 minutes, I said, wow, it seems like you're having a really hard time listening no matter what I say to you tonight. And I'm usually not that purposefully directive with kids, but I just thought, oh my gosh, she just can't get herself under control. And her follow-up question to that was, well, at first she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, I told you that people aren't for pouring water on and you poured water on my head. I told you that people weren't for throwing things at and you threw things at me. I told you that the pieces weren't for messing up and you're trying to mess them up. And then she said, I thought there were no rules in here. So fascinating because I've never once said there are no rules in the playroom. But my level of permissiveness has made her believe that there are no rules. And I said, oh, you think that there are any rules in here? And I said, but there actually are, but I just don't always tell you what they are. And she said, well, what are they? And I said, the toys can't be broken on purpose. You need to be safe and I need to be safe. And I said, and tonight the rule is also that these pieces are not for messing up. And after that moment, she got herself under control and the rest of the session was fine. It was almost like she needed boundaries a little bit in that moment. And so, but again, where in the world is she gonna pour water on someone's head without there being consequences? No other place. So that's why that behavior is permissible in the playroom, but not anywhere else, and that would require limits somewhere else. So the example that they give is it's okay for the baby sister doll to be thrown out the window in playtime, and I actually mentioned that earlier. So really helpful rule of thumb for parents that are kind of questioning how this may carry over into real life or everyday scenarios. And then the second rule of thumb, big choices for big kids, little choices for little kids. You actually don't need to spend a whole lot of time on that rule of thumb if you are showing the Choices Cookies and Kids video because Dr. Landreth talks a lot about that in the video. So if you're going to show that video, which you should and need to, so please make sure that you're aware to have that video and be able to show that to your parents. That is the most effective tool for these principles and it really kind of sinks in and parents get it when they watch that video. So it's really important to show that. But he talks about that. And so you could just say, you know, choices have to be appropriate for the child's developmental stage, but the video we're going to watch is going to talk more about that. And then you can move on. You don't really need to elaborate a whole lot because he does go through that in the video. Okay, so go ahead and switch. We'll skip past homework for now. And you will be looking at Choice Giving 101. And this is so text heavy. This week is really overwhelming with content and material and it's just words and words and words. So I'm not going to read every word to you. I'm going to summarize and kind of hit the highlights for you. And then you can share more with your parents and actually read word for word if you'd like. But I think it's helpful just for me to kind of break down some of the important pieces. So what I think is maybe helpful to kind of re recap with your parents is, okay, we started with reflecting feelings because that's a foundational skill for some of the other skills to follow. We moved into limit setting. You use choice, sorry, you use reflecting feelings in limit setting 
and now we're moving into giving choices and you've already started giving choices with limit setting so this is going to be a new direction to offer choices so i think it's helpful to frame the process of the training because sometimes parents are just absorbing information as it comes and they're not connecting the dots of the bigger piece of the entire training like oh this ties to this ties to this so i think it's helpful to bring that up so you're really at the beginning kind of just talking through why choices are important so there's three bullets there the highlighted piece for that first one is that the choices are age appropriate that goes back to that rule of thumb but essentially you're helping them understand that the more the child feels in control in their lives the less they fight for control in other avenues meaning if they're constantly given choices and they're given control over their circumstances they don't feel the need to vie for power and control and there aren't as many power struggles because they know that they get choices all the time they know that they have power all the time so the only other thing that i think i would like to highlight with you and obviously you can read this with them word for word but choices allow children to use their inner resources or their internal locus of control as i typically say rather than relying on parents again this is highlighted pretty effectively in the video from dr landreth so you can kind of allude to that as well but you know the child learns that mom or dad will stop me if i get out of hand if mom and dad can continually intervene for them and and make decisions for them so they need practice of what does it feel like to make a choice what does it feel like to be in charge what does it feel like to have to accept the consequences of the decisions that i make okay so then segueing into that it provides opportunities for decision making and problem solving and they have to practice what that feels like and then therefore understand that their actions their words their decisions their choices have consequences and outcomes that they also have to accept they go hand in hand so when i make this choice i also therefore have to accept this outcome that's a really important connection that kids make and it's a practice you know we i know a lot of adults that do not think through their decisions and do not think through the outcome well and so you know it, it is a learned process and kids need to go through that and then providing children with choices reduces power struggles i mentioned that earlier but that's really important because i would argue most parents in your training deal with power struggles a lot with their kids and so in this scenario both the child and the parent are empowered and that's the most exciting piece of it is if you can help them understand you are also empowered through this process this is not just about empowering your children because you provide the parameters for the choice meaning to the parent you provide the parameters for the choice the child then decides to obey or not obey the parameters so there's empowerment on both sides and that's a healthy balance of power so all right the choice giving strategies are next and really the only thing a lot of this is repetitive to a degree so you'll notice that a lot of this you know you've already addressed it to a degree so the highlight for this part is that the choices are equally acceptable to the child and to the parent that's really important because it's easy to use choices as a way to manipulate and so what that will look like sometimes is well i really want my child to get in bed so i'll offer two choices 
that I know they absolutely will not want so that they'll get in bed. And that's not the way it works. That's not the intention behind it. So the, the entire premise is built on equally acceptable to the child and to you as the mom or dad. So I have to understand and realize when I'm offering a child a choice, if they make one of those choices, I have to be okay with that, no matter what that looks like. And therefore, the choices that the parent offers need to be acceptable to them. So we'll see how that works in a minute. Uh, and basically it just says you don't want to manipulate the child to do what you want by presenting a choice that the child will not want because then it's not a choice at all. It's I'm steering you to make this decision rather than I'm offering you two that I know you're equally happy with. And then big choices to little, little choices to little kids, big choices to big kids. That was part of the rule of thumb. And you know, the younger the child, the fewer the choices. And again, that's covered in the video. Okay. So there are several ways to, well, I was going to say train parents, but there are several ways to explain this to parents because the choice giving process works for different purposes. So you can offer choices for empowerment. You can offer choices for redirection. You can offer choices for correction. So, and you don't really have to go through that with them. I'm just trying to help you wrap your minds around how the choice giving process works. So choices can be used to avoid a potential problem. Okay. So that's what they're going to talk through first. Again, choices are equally acceptable in the scenario that they provide. The girl has trouble getting dressed in the morning. So if the parent says, oh my gosh, every single morning it's a struggle because we can't figure out what to do to get dressed. You know, she never wants to make up her mind. It always becomes an argument, whatever. So the parent says, you know what? I'm going to provide the choice the evening before so that it won't be an issue the next morning. So that's the avoidance of the potential problem choice. So it talks through that. You can work through that with their parents, you're with your parents. The next illustration there is the child comes home and always wants a snack, but they want to have a snack that's not good for them. And the parent wants them to have a snack that's healthy. So to prevent that problem, the parent already has planned snacks that the child will like equally, but they are healthy. So you can see how these are avoiding of potential, <coughs> excuse me, problems and therefore reducing the power struggles. That is one way to offer a choice. So the very bottom is a hint that structuring for success, we've talked about that in the past, structuring for success allows for the child to be content and the parent not to get frustrated. And so the example there is minimize conflict by structuring the home environment and therefore everyone feels more in control and they remind you of the thermostat, not a thermometer rule of thumb. And so basically their suggestion is if you know that the child always struggles with snacks and always wants to pick a junky snack, don't have junky snacks in your house. It's just helping the parents to think through what can I do proactively to prevent these consistent problems. And in this case with the snacks, it's, I just won't have snacks that I don't want them to eat in the house. So that's a helpful hint for them as well. 
Okay, so I will actually go through this next page with you, this advanced choice giving page, with the understanding that you may not get through all of this and or you may postpone this till week seven, especially if you're showing the video. Here's what I recommend. This actually goes over at the beginning, this goes over the Oreo cookie method from the video. I would suggest you do not go over this before they've watched the video. So after you do the Choice Giving 101, it might be helpful to say, let's, let's pause on the training and let's watch this video because I think this will help make sense of this skill for you. Have them watch the video. I think it's about 40 minutes long, 35 to 40 minutes. So that's gonna take up a big chunk of your session. So you may only get partially through this page or you may not get through this page at all and that's okay. You can carry it over to week seven, like I mentioned. So this is the advanced choice giving. This is where the other channels of choices are introduced. So now we're gonna be talking about the empowerment choice. Now we're gonna be talking about enforcing household rules. So. There's definitely different ways in which a choice is given and different reasons for giving those choices. So you already covered avoiding a potential problem and power struggle. This is the empowerment choices. So at the top, it talks about how children need guidance and discipline, you know, and, and often kids make parents believe that they don't want rules and boundaries, but the truth is they need them. And so yes, I mean, there are times when parents have to make decisions for their kids. You have to be in bed at a certain time to get enough rest. You have to hold my hand when we're going into a parking lot. You have to do your homework. You have to, you know, whatever those decisions may be that the child may not want to, but it, they just have to be done. However, there are lots of opportunities where a parent can provide opportunities for the child to have control. And it does not have to be the parent dictates everything Kids need the opportunity to make choices. So the Oreo cookie method, they go through the same exact scenario that's in the video for example one. So I'm actually not even gonna go over that with you because that's in the video. Example two, Sarah does not wanna take her medicine and she's three, that's important, but the medicine is required. You know, Maybe it's an antibiotic, maybe it's for acid reflux, whatever, the, the medicine has to be taken. So child feels out of control. I don't want to take medicine and you're forcing me to take it. Well, parent can provide a measure of control, not whether or not they want to take the medicine, but an option so that they feel empowered. So that would look like you can choose to have apple juice or orange juice with your medicine. Which do you choose? Notice how it shifts from taking the medicine and not taking the medicine to which juice would you like to take your medicine with? That's very important. I would illustrate that with your parents because they need to be aware that, oh, look, we shifted the topic of focus. So it becomes the juice. Okay, then example three, seven-year-old Billy is cranky and tired and refuses to get in the car to go home from grandma and grandpa's house. So in that scenario, Billy, you can choose to sit in the front seat with dad or you can choose to sit in the back seat with Sarah. Which do you choose? Again, going home is not an option. He's already worn out. He's exhausted. That means 
coping skills are down, you know, resilience is down, tolerance is down, patience is down. So he's just in a frustrating state. So choice is offered. Parents okay with either one. They don't care whether they sit in the front seat or the back seat. They just want him to get in the car. So you can choose to sit here or here. Which do you choose? Shifts to where do I want to be in the car rather than do I or do I not want to get in the car? Okay, so you can see how that works. So go through those examples with your parents. Then you can move into the enforcing of household policies and rules. It's very, very important to help them understand work on one at a time. They cannot go in guns a-blazing and saying, I'm going to fix every single household issue that we have. I'm going to start giving choices for everything. It needs to be purposeful and it needs to be specific. So one at a time. You, you want to think of a rule, think of you know, an issue that happens in the home and say, you know what? I'm going to work on picking up toys before bed. And so help them think through what's the first one you'd like to work on. Either here at the end as you're wrapping up, whenever that makes the most sense. What's a household rule that you're having a hard time enforcing or that they're having a hard time complying with? Let's figure out a way to use choices to address it. So typically you're going to provide two choices. That's a pretty standard option. Obviously the older children can have three, but three doesn't necessarily make it more effective. <coughs> Sorry. Um, it doesn't necessarily make it more effective. It just means they're able to tolerate more choices, but two is fine. So one is phrased positively. The other is stated as a consequence. So in this case, you want it to be very clear. If you choose this, you get this positive. If you choose this, you get this negative. And we'll see how that works in just a minute. And then it's helpful for your parents to understand that the consequence for the non-compliance has to be relevant and logical rather than punitive. And what that means is it needs to make sense for the choice that was made, but not in a mean way. So it just is what the child chose and we'll see how that works. So the example that's given is there's a rule in the home that toys have to be picked up before dinner and the children cannot seem to remember that. So there's constantly reminding, there's constantly frustration, there's constantly arguments over the toys getting picked up before dinner. So again, this next phrase is used in the video, so that's why I think it's helpful to show the video before you get into this sheet. But we're about to institute a new and significant policy within the confines of this household. Um, domicile, another option. And he talks a lot about that phrase and big words, so I won't cover that. So here's the choice. Remember, because we're giving positive choice and choice for non-compliance. So kids, if you choose to pick up your toys before dinner, you choose to watch 30 minutes of TV after dinner. If you choose not to pick up your toys before dinner, you choose not to watch TV after dinner. So you can see how they get both. And the video covers using the word choose, how many times, etc. So make sure that they're aware of that. Make sure, the note to the parent is, make sure that kids know there's 10 to 15 minutes before dinner so that they have time to comply because it's easy for a kid to get distracted and then all of a sudden you just say, it's dinner time. Well, oh wait, I didn't know. I, I, had, I didn't have time to pick up my toys. So 
they need to be reminded there's about a 10 or 15 minute window where they have time to pick up their toys. So it's important to help parents understand you're go they're going to have to go over that rule several times with the kids until they understand the rule and they're aware of it. So they talk about they may not comply the first time you announce the policy because they just found out about it and you want them to get to a point where they remember the rule on their own. So you may have to remind them several times. But you also don't, the, the parent needs to be very aware that it should not turn into nagging about the rule because the whole point was we're giving choices so they don't have to nag about picking up the toys. Well, they also don't want to be nagging about remembering the rule. So help them balance that out. But the parents encouraged to say, kids, dinner will be ready in 10 minutes, time to pick up your toys, and the parent leaves the room. So then when it's time for dinner, so 10 minutes pass, when it's time for dinner, the parent goes back in, and there's the A and the B options of outcomes, okay? So A is the toys have not been picked up. So the parent would say nothing at that moment. And they ate dinner together, then they go back into the room after dinner and say, I see you've decided not to watch TV tonight. Even if the children start picking up the toys, which from the video, I think parents will start to understand that that's what kids will do. They have already chosen not to watch TV. So the parent would say, oh, you're thinking if you pick up your toys now, you can watch TV. But the policy is the toys have to be picked up before dinner. And then, of course, they're going to plead. They're going to say, I'm sorry. They're going to ask for another chance, et cetera, et cetera. The, the most crucial piece of this is enforcement and follow through. It does not work if the parents do not hold to the choices that were offered and the consequences that were given. So the parent would say, I know you wish you would have chosen to put your toys away before dinner so you could watch TV. Tomorrow night you can choose to put your toys away before dinner and choose to watch TV. So that's really important and notice what does the parent do with the, I know you wish you would have chosen to put your toys away? Reflect their feeling. So you're tying it back to week one, tying it back to limit setting. Now we're in choice giving. So I hope the parents are starting to put all those pieces of the puzzle together. So then the note is some children will choose not to watch TV for several nights in a row. And that's also from the video. So then that would be scenario A. So they, didn't, they chose not to pick up their toys. Therefore, they chose not to watch TV after dinner. B, children are busy picking up their toys and have most of them put away or the toys are put away. So then the parent would say, it's time for dinner. I see you've chosen to watch TV after dinner tonight. Because it is just as important for the parent to acknowledge the positive choice as it is to acknowledge the negative one. So that's a really key component of this because parents get in the habit of saying, well, I see you've chosen not to watch TV when the toys aren't picked up, but then they don't say, I see you've chosen to watch TV tonight. And that's just as important. So if they have not put all of them away, but most of them are put away, it says that the parent could help to demonstrate a spirit of cooperation. But the other option obviously is that the toys have already been put away. So there are some examples of choice giving to enforce the household policies. So it covered the avoidance of potential problems, then it covered empowerment choices, then it covered enforcement of household policies. Then 
choice giving in relation to limit setting, which obviously we did limit setting already, so they know the you can choose to do this or this instead of the behavior that was unacceptable. But the consequence is always enforced without fail and without anger. And I think Dr. Landreth really illustrated that in a succinct way, you know, I was able to just calmly say, girls, I see you've chosen to give up TV. And so it's funny, I've watched that video so many times, I literally can quote it word for word, like my favorite movies from childhood, you know, like I can quote Top Gun, word one to end word, the entire movie. I can do that with The Choices Cookies and Kids too. So I, I quote him all the time and I use his phrases all the time because I've seen that video so much. So you'll get there too, just wait. You'll, you'll be able to reiterate his phrasing exactly too. So without fail and without anger, meaning you don't need to, parents don't need to be upset that the child chose that way. They're just acknowledging what the child chose. There, there's no reason for frustration. There's no reason for a power struggle. It's, I see this is what you've chosen, but it's without fail because the consistency really is key. And then here's a very important piece. Consequences for today only. There's always a new day, new chance for a fresh start. And what's important is the parent encourages the child to try again. So I see you've chosen to lose TV today, but tomorrow you can choose to put your toys away and you can choose to watch TV. Tomorrow you can choose to put your pajamas away and you can choose to watch Mr. Rogers. Tomorrow you can choose not to fight in the backseat of the car and you can choose to watch TV. So it's very important to help the child learn from their mistakes and also understand they have internal resources to control that. And that's where that self-regulation comes in. Okay, and then the parents are encouraged to reflect the child's choice with empathy, but also remain firm. So again, you, I know you wish you would have chosen differently. I know you're sad that you chose not to watch TV. I know that you're frustrated that the toys weren't put away and now you've not been given the opportunity for TV. So reflect that choice with empathy, but remain firm. Like I said, the follow-through is really important. And then the matter-of-fact voice is very, very important for parents to master because it is not the same thing to say, well, I see you've chosen not to watch TV today because you didn't put your toys away. That's a totally different tone that creates defensiveness and that creates aggravation and that creates conflict. Totally different when it's matter-of-fact. I see you've chosen not to put your toys away, so you choose not to watch TV. It's a very different dynamic. So power struggles are likely to result if the child hears frustration or anger in the parent's voice. So remaining neutral and calm is very important. And the caution at the bottom, spend some time on this because this is a pretty important detail. If the child reaches the out of control stage, so it's escalated, it's completely gone beyond management at that point, really dysregulated. The child cannot hear or process the choice. So that is not the time to try to continue to dialogue about the choice anymore. The parent can take a step back, just reflect feelings, just acknowledge the emotions that are going on. If a behavior needs a limit, obviously they would set a limit in that moment as well but that's not when the child is able to process that choice. So it's really important to just say, 
I know that you're really upset right now and let the choice go for the moment until they can kind of regroup and get back under control. So then flipping to the next page, common problems in the play sessions. This is really more of just kind of a dialogue sheet for you to do with your parents. The way I typically handle this is I give them a minute or two and I say, go ahead and read through the questions on these two pages and tell me which one you think most represents a question that you would like to talk about or an issue that you're having, for example. So my child notices that I talk differently in the play sessions and wants me to talk normally, what should I do? One of your parents might say, oh my gosh, yeah, my kid says, why can't you just talk like my mom? Okay, so they'll typically resonate with one or more of these. And so I usually say, can you look through these and tell me which one you feel like most addresses a question or a concern that you and your child have been having? And then we kind of go around and if it's one-on-one, -on -one, then, you know, sometimes I let them pick two or three, but go around and share, you know, yeah, my question is my child just plays. What am I doing wrong? Process that. And they, they give a pretty helpful example there and answer to that question. And this is where you can really kind of speak from your own experience. And, you know, if, because as a play therapist, if you do play therapy, if you do child-centered, non-directive play therapy, I suspect that kids have said these things to you or you've had these experiences personally. So sometimes I'll share a personal experience or I know exactly what that's like because that happened last week or whatever. Or you can just read the answer and kind of go over specifically from the manual. But it's important to give parents the opportunity to identify with one and go through them. And that saves time as well, because rather than going over every single one, if all of your parents only have two of those questions, then you can say, and you know, if you want to, you can go over and read those later, but I feel like we addressed the ones that were most relevant for this group. And then you move on, because this really is a long week to go over all of this. So that's session six material. And obviously at the end of that, they have their review of their play session skills checklist. They have the parent play session notes and they have the, I can't turn the page, the skills checklist. And so, the, you know, those are there for them. You can encourage them to do that as they conduct their play sessions. And then you can flip back with me to homework on page one. So couple of new homework assignments this week. The first is they're going to read the Choice Giving 101, which is the first sheet that we went over. So that's helpful because it really kind of centers them back in on the skill, helps them understand. It's just a nice refresher and reminder. They also are to read the common problems in play sessions. You you have the choice. I do it in person because I don't like having to not address that for a whole nother week. They actually give it as a home. I forgot that they give it as homework. I never do it as homework. They say, mark the two or three issues that you have and come back and talk about it next time. I feel like they've done enough sessions with their kids now. If these questions are coming up and they're worried about them, even if they don't know enough to voice them, 
I like to address it and it's quick enough in this session that I am just able to go over it with them. So I'll leave that up to you, but that's just the way that I do it. Okay, so then giving choices outside of the play session. And obviously remember every week that they learn a new skill, the goal for them is to focus on that specific skill in the playtime. So they are obviously going to try to give choices during their play session this week. But outside of the play session is a little bit different, just like we did outside of the play session, feeling reflection, well, they weren't doing sessions then, outside of the play session limit setting, same thing for choice giving. Here's where we break down two different types of choices. So A is a choice for the sole purpose of empowerment. That is, you can choose to wear a red dress today or a purple dress today, which do you choose? You can choose to have broccoli or you can choose to have green beans, which do you choose? Empowerment choice just for the sake of giving the child a choice. It doesn't matter what it is. There's really no purpose for it other than it helps the child practice feeling in control and making decisions. So they're going to give at least one choice for empowerment, what happened, what the parent said, and how the child responded. Then they're also going to practice giving a choice for a method of discipline. So this is the family rule, non-compliance, proactivity in reducing potential problems kind of choice. So you, if you choose to Get your bath right now, you choose to have a glass of milk before bed. If you choose not to take your bath right now, you choose not to have a glass of milk. Those types of choices. The if you choose, then you choose, if you choose, then you choose method. So again, what happened, what the parent said, how the child responded. And you will go over those with them in week seven as a follow-up and dialogue and process with them how that went, how the children responded, what the outcome was of giving choices in those two scenarios. So that is their skill-based homework assignment. And then obviously they're going to conduct their play sessions and go over the session notes, the checklist, and whichever parent is assigned to share the video in this class group with you. So if you're one-on-one -on -one with a parent, obviously they're gonna show you their video every week. If you have a group, you rotate through who shares pieces of their video. And just like I have modeled for you when I watch your videos of you conducting the groups, and I have timestamps that I stop at, and I highlight a skill, or I show an opportunity where you could have done something differently, and we kind of watch a little bit at the beginning, the middle, and the end, that's the same process that I use with parents too. So they come in and I typically say, is there a specific spot you'd like me to watch? Because sometimes they'll say, oh yeah, when he started tying me up with the feather boa, I didn't know what to do. So we get to the feather boa part and we watch that together. If they say, no, I don't really have a specific place, then I typically do like five minutes at the beginning, couple of brief, two, three minute clips in the middle, and then you know the last five minutes or so. You want to be able to view about 15 to 20 minutes of their video total, not watching it for 15 minutes, but you spend about 15 to 20 minutes watching and talking. So again, that's a time management thing. If it's one-on-one, -on -one, you can spend more time watching. If there's more people, less time watching. So. 
I'll, I'll trust you to navigate that. But the same way that I've done that with you all when we meet together, same process for you watching the video with your parents when you meet as your training group. So I'm excited for you all. I think that you are really starting to show that you're very capable and more confident with this material. So looking forward to seeing you very soon and I'll talk to you again. Bye.